0: and now community impact investing in 2020 and beyond with david sand and michelle de la cruz of community capital management hello everyone and welcome to another great episode of the jason howell company speaker series zoominars my name is jason howell and as always i'm happy to share my network of experienced uh, experts not only with our jason howell company clients but also all of you watching so thanks for being here uh sharing is caring i understand and your network is your net worth uh this is uh this year is no time uh, like any other or it's definitely the perfect time to be sharing and helping each other uh, you know, we look at what's going on right now. We're less than a week away from the national contested election. Coronavirus cases are spiking and actually peaking. That's right. After eight months of this, we're still dealing with things that seem to be just the same as they were in February. Has anything changed at all? Have there been any benefits uh, to experience in these past eight months? Well, the answer to that, I think, is going to come from our guest today. Not only does the federal government or state government been working on making this a better year, so have some great principals in the financial industry I've been doing that. And today we've got two guests from Community Capital Management to share a little bit about how their organization is helping local communities across the country, which is incredibly exciting and actually reassuring uh, about this world. Before we get into the Q&A and ask them a bunch of details about their business and what they do, let's be polite and let's just ask them how they're doing. So we'll start with Michelle. We've got Michelle and David today. Michelle, how has your day been, and uh, what have you been up to?
1: Thanks, Jason, for having us. Um, Day's been going well. It's a beautiful day here in South Florida, which is where I'm based, in Fort Lauderdale. And um, just been working, and uh, excited to speak with you all today.
0: Well, we're happy to have you, for sure. It's a nice, beautiful rain out here in the Washington, D.C. area, so congrats to you on having the sunshine. And David, how is it where you are?
2: Well, thanks, Jason. Thank thank you for having us. Uh, Since we're talking about the weather, I'm in Boston. Uh, CCM has an office in Boston. And we are expecting our first snow tonight. Oh, boy. And I was thinking this morning how in any other year, the expectation of the first snowfall, uh, unless you're going skiing, which I'm not, uh, is kind of a downer. It's a bit of a hassle. really tells you definitively that not only summer but also fall is kind of over and we're approaching daylight savings time which means a lot of darkness and all the rest Um, but given this year and everything else that's going on little snow bring it we
0: got much bigger problems Mm -hmm. indeed Uh, bring it bring the end of the year i cannot wait to toast 2021 that's for sure Well, all right, Uh, I think we're just about ready to get started with the formal part of our presentation. So I will start to switch my screen and keep my eyes open for anyone that comes through. Uh, In fact, before I do that, I just want to say to folks who have questions, feel free to put those questions in the chat as um, we will be answering your questions before we answer the ones that we have started with. But we've got a great opportunity to uh, give you folks some content today that you may not have had before and uh, may not have had the experience of saying exactly how do companies invest in in a way that creates a big impact in our communities. So if you have come to Community Impact Investing for 2020 and beyond, welcome. You have attended the right Zoominar and you've got a great opportunity now to learn something from a couple principals from Community Capital Management, Mr. David Sand, Miss Michelle De La Cruz. But before we get into their stories, first, a word from our sponsors. Jason Howell Company is a wonderful firm we're a family wealth management firm that works with families to transfer them, not just to investors, but actually patriarchs and matriarchs of their families. How can you do more than just save up for your own retirement? How can you make an impact on the world? That's what our firm tries to help our clients do as families and as stewards of the community. And today, we're really excited to see a firm that's doing that at the billion-dollar level uh, in community capital management. So let's get over to them and learn a little bit more about the people that are uh, coming as guests today. First, we'll start with Michelle Cruz, CSRIC. Her bio was in the newsletter. It's also here. We are very happy to have a client portfolio manager here and someone that is taking an active role in not only this firm, but in the communities. Uh, tell us, before you got here, though, at Community Capital Management, you were in New York. And uh, New York is a storied place, regardless of what anyone's been saying about how New York is today. Uh, what were your experiences in New York at your firm that led you here to Community Capital Management?
1: Yeah, so I'm originally born and raised in upstate New York, uh, moved to New York City after graduating college, and I worked at Uberg LP, uh, which is a financial market data uh, technology company, you might also know them for their news and media, Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. Um, I spent most of my career there and I specialized in fixed income securities, um, where I worked uh, sort of like a liaison between clients and our developers to help uh, refine and come up with new functionality on the Bloomberg terminal so that they could better analyze their bar their portfolios. Um, Traveling around the country, doing that led me to community capital in South Florida, which was my territory at the time. And given that they invest in bonds, they were one of my clients. And when I learned more about what they were doing within fixed income investing and how it was unique, looking at what the positive community economic development benefits were in addition to fundamental credit research and analysis, I, first thing I thought was, why isn't everybody doing this? Yeah, of course. And it just seemed like a, uh, so it's something I hadn't heard of before and it seemed like a really interesting area of the market to get into. So uh, after many years at Bloomberg, I made the move to join community capital management in 2016 and I have been there, been here ever since, um, working with investors to uh, explain our strategies and how they can be positioned within client portfolios for both um, financial return and for positive um, economic community uh, and environmental impact.
0: Terrific. Tell us about the CSRIC.
1: So that is the Chartered SRI, or Sustainable Responsible Investing Counselor, designation um, from the College of Financial Planning. They teamed up with US SIF, which is the Sustainable Investment Forum, um, a nonprofit bipartisan organization that uh, promotes sustainable investing, also um, does studies on the um, uh, impacts of sustainable investing, and um, helps to publish research reports in that space. So I think it started in 2018, so fairly new. And it's um, really designed for advisors who want to grow their practice in sustainable investing and get a a designation with some fancy letters after your name. Um, Being that I work with advisors day in and day out, I wanted to get something that I felt could add value to or I could add value to their business by knowing this information. So I took the course and uh, got the designation. So I would suggest uh, if anybody is interested in learning more about sustainable investing and wants to um, add some credibility to their work to check it out. It's a great program. I think Jenny Coombs um, is the person that, she was at the time writing the exams and hosting the classes. Um, and she was on your show, I think a couple or one of your earlier shows, um, but she runs it and she's a great person to, to talk to, has a wealth of knowledge. So check it out.
0: Yeah, she is wonderful. I have checked it out. I'm currently enrolled in the program. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's so much noise out there and to consolidate it into one program uh, to make sure that you're sort of, you know, dealing with your clients and the community in a way that makes sense and has some credibility. I agree with you, certainly. Before we switch over to David, tell me exactly how do you work with advisors and work with community capital? What exactly does your role do?
1: So I partner with advisors to uh, help them to implement uh, fixed income, sustainable and impact investing into their practice uh, and to work with their clients to help uh, align their uh, their investments with their values or their mission, or if they want to have um, some sort of footprint or impact in the community around them. So I will uh, work with the advisor to um, educate their clients on how they can uh, align the investment with their specific values, mission, or geographic preference. Um, whether that be through our mutual fund or separately managed managed accounts, and also um, do things like this, like host client um, webinars and seminars. Well, before it was seminars in person before COVID, but now it's mostly webinars. Um, Really just education and also um, working with uh, the advisors to come up with ideas that might be a good fit for their clients based on the particular circumstance.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Michelle. That's how we met. And I'm really happy to have you here on this. I'm going to call it a Zoominar. <laughs> okay, so we'll be even even more different. All right, with that, we'll transition over to David. Uh, David, we're uh, we're glad to have you as well. And speaking with Michelle, she said, maybe we should talk to David too. And I can see why. Uh, we call you the Chief Impact Strategist. I think there are some other uh, quite complimentary names about your uh, level of experience and expertise in the field. You've been doing this a good long time, uh, way before it was popular like in the past handful of years and have been uh, a part of sharing the message across college campuses as well which must also be an experience. Your firm has uh, won a couple awards recently as well so please
2: tell us about those awards and, and a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure the award is, uh, is late breaking news. Uh, I think it was the end of last week um, we won uh, two awards from the MMI Barron's uh contest it's not it wasn't televised uh but it was a, not only was it an honor to be nominated but we were a winner for uh sustainability and impact as a manager which since that's our core business that was um quite quite nice and then also uh helped me out michelle for uh investment managers under 10 billion uh asset wanted. manager of the year i think it is yeah the year and it uh, is. <laughs> Oh, I hadn't even seen that. Look at that. Oh, so it is like the, it is like the Oscars, so.
1: And then there's um, the other one too. It looks just. Yeah.
2: Um, Very nice. And it, you know, Jason, th- thank you for having us. I mean, the winning awards is nice, but it, but it also is a really uh, important recognition of how far the business has really come and grown and evolved. Um, certainly when I started doing it, um, there weren't any awards for, uh, any of these uh, categories and if there had been contests there wouldn't have necessarily been very many entrants (laughs) so you know luckily for us hopefully luckily for the community and for the planet um, there's been real growth in community investing economic development investing socially responsible investing impact investing ESG investing we're pretty happy uh, for any label Uh, people can call it pretty much what they want As long as it has some aspect of values investing we think that's essential and also intentionality we want to know that if people are managing other people's money advising other people's money bringing in what used to be called non-financial criteria that you're doing it in a way that the client wants you to um, and that you have an understanding of what your goals and objectives
0: no, oh, great, and and as as I understand it, David, you've pioneered some of this stuff as we've listed here. You know, there's there's the big broad capital assets, there's stocks, there's bonds, there's fixed income. Um, tell us how you were one of the folks that was part of the catalyst of bringing this to uh, to this country and making it as popular
2: as it is today. Uh, well, there there have been some books written about it, and so I and I don't I don't want to get too deep into the history, but. As I experienced it, the the first phase, uh, we're talking late 1970s, early 1980s, was really about uh, driven by uh, the anti-apartheid movement. And I had the privilege to, to do some anti-apartheid uh, and divestiture work when I was in college and I came out of college and you know, looking for a way to continue with that and in a fairly random Uh, past uh, met uh, someone named Robert Schwartz died a few years ago who had started doing socially responsible investing um, working for some high net worth people but but mostly for uh, religious investors and maybe a couple of unions and pension funds who wanted to be investing but not investing in companies that were doing business in the republic of south africa and so from there um when there was regime peaceful thankfully regime change in south africa i felt that the negative part of sri had been established you could manage money and avoid the things that you didn't believe in um and it seemed to me and perhaps i was naive and and optimistic at the time it seemed to me that the next level for the field would be the affirmative part would be to say here are the things I support, whether it's the environment or, or companies with good union labor records, um, or you know any of what we now call impact investing, and so that we could have uh, affirmative investing. And as far as fixed income goes, the equity side of investing is is a little bit uh, removed if you're talking about public equities, but when you're making uh, fixed income investment you're buying a bond you're actually lending money or choosing not to lend money to a particular borrower whether it's a corporation or, or a, a homeowner or what have you um, and so I got into the fixed income uh, impact investing I can say now with hindsight uh, way too early <laughs> right it still really didn't exist uh-huh. uh, been, you know just very fortunate that that it has grown in the way that it has. No, we're, we're glad that
0: you are in the community for us to look up to. Tell us a little bit about how you're spreading the word
2: on college campuses. Well, again, that's something where um, it used to be a pure advocacy effort. So um, after having done divestiture work as an undergraduate and then um, moving on into being uh, at the time considered some sort of a subject matter expert on divestiture, I would go uh, occasionally to guest lecture, or participate in a class, but it wasn't that the class itself had that topic. It was usually that there was some uh, sort of progressive uh, faculty member that wanted to expose undergraduates <laughs> to non-traditional careers uh, in finance. Now, fast forward to 2020, there are many, many curriculum and, and degrees and courses. And you know, Michelle talked about accreditations and so there is really now a, uh, a pedagogy, if you will, an academic uh, underpinning for a lot of what's called sustainable uh, investing. And so now um, you can speak about the advocacy part of, of uh, capitalism about of social change investing, but you're also really now talking about being a practitioner and being, uh, you know, getting getting the accreditation, looking at companies, looking at the broader uh, issues around uh, corporate responsibility, being a stakeholder. And of course, in our world, community capital management, we're primarily a bond firm. We've had things like green bonds that didn't exist before. We've had uh, structured finance opportunities come our way uh, where people are trying to embed impact in the securities. Um, and now we have people who are coming to us uh, for employment who are trained uh, in <coughs> what you might call double bottom line uh, analysis.
0: Wow. Actually trained. I'm, it must feel both, uh, both good and surreal to have that opportunity. Awesome. Um, well, we're we'll, <laughs> glad to have you. Thank you for giving us a little window into your history. And uh, now we'll get into some of the Q&A that we prepared uh, for our audience today. And of course, there is contact information for those who registered for both David and Michelle. For those of you who may be watching on Facebook or who are seeing this video um, a little later on as a sort of a post video, you can see the contact information for both David and Michelle right under their names. Uh, Fascinating people. They have a lot more to say. And uh, this is just going to be a little bit of a scratching of the surface on community impact investing and um, a little bit about how you can work with some of the firms, some of the good guys out there that are doing things to help our communities that need so much help. Well, the first question I've got here to um, level set is what exactly, David, is community impact
2: investing? So, Jason, for us, uh, community impact investing is the skill set that we bring to bear investing in the United States. We, we are only a U.S. Uh, investor in our fixed income work, uh, investing in market rate instruments that have some form of geographic or impact benefit embedded in them. So we are we are making money for our clients. Um, we're very focused on risk. We're very focused on capital preservation, but we also want to make investments that will support people's hometown. Uh, when we, sometimes we work for families, the families have moved away, but the family wealth came from a particular geography. Some of our clients are community foundations that are doing uh, grant making in a defined geography, and uh, they want to do some endowment investing in that same geography as well. So we take a broad definition of community, um, but we also work very specifically on defining community on a map at the same time.
0: Terrific. So yeah, there's a there's a spectrum there, but there's a spectrum in the community. So it's important that you do that. Michelle, tell me about community um, CCM specialty and the impact that your firm yours and David's is having in the uh, investing world.
1: Certainly. Um, So community capital management, what makes us so unique? Uh, is really why what attracted me to the firm to join uh, is that not only has the firm been around for 20 years, 20 plus years, so a lot of experience in impact investing in ESG, environmental social governance, even before those terms were coined, um, but their unique or our unique ability to um, allow our investors uh, or shareholders in the mutual fund to have an influence um, over what themes or geographic regions they want their money to go toward within the fund. So in other words, they can choose to support community economic development activities, job creation, affordable housing. Um, They can also help to support uh, initiatives that benefit the environment, um, healthy communities, clean drinking water and so forth. and they can select or or, or select uh, what area they would like to have their investment have a footprint in. So, um, being from South Florida, the Everglades are near and dear to our heart. You could, for example, select that you wanted your investment in the fund to go toward um, environmental benefits in the South Florida area. So, it's really cool in that. Um, You're able to do this through a fixed income mutual fund and then get to see uh, the reports uh, quarterly, annually on where those dollars have gone. So you can see what the tangible impact has been in the communities around you and get a better feel for what your money is doing. Um, And we're able to do that through our uh, software and technology that tracks dollar for dollar where the investments are going and we have to be able to quantify what the positive economic and community impact is. Um, What also makes us unique is that over the years, we've uh, evolved to align our investments with 18 impact themes, some of which I touched on earlier. And David has been a pioneer in helping to shape uh, and create most of those. Stop uh,
0: creating things, David, that's too much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, along with our clients, they provide the input. And that's a great spot that I'm in is working with advisors and their clients, hearing what's important to them and bringing it back and saying, hey, you know, is there anything we can do to uh, better benefit minority communities or women and girls and so forth and you know if it fits within our opportunity set if we can get the information or we can encourage our counterparties to give us more information uh, so that we can document that and make that happen Um, so it's really cool to to see that come to fruition and you know over the past 20 years we've invested over 10 billion uh, nationwide in economic community development initiatives, um, and we are one of the, um, I think we're the second largest impact uh, fund out there, uh, so for being a boutique asset manager, having the second largest impact fund is also pretty cool um, to know that we have a big footprint. in this Let me,
0: let me ask you this, Michelle, because you said something that may have been glossed over by people who aren't as familiar with the opportunities to work with firms it sounds like you said you know you've got a mutual fund I'm an investor and I want to ensure if I'm living in Florida the Everglades are important to me or if I'm living in Virginia affordable housing might be important to me and you're saying rather than me just taking my money buying the mutual fund and just sort of hoping it gets there we can work with you I can work with you my family can work with you and identify and say hey Michelle, can we ensure that my money kind of goes to affordable housing in my neighborhood or it goes to the Everglades in Florida?
1: Yes, that's an active dialogue that we have uh, with you Correct. that we keep that door open so that we can figure out um, how we can uh, align your investment with your uh, impact objectives or, or your values and whatnot.
0: Oh, terrific. Well, thank you for sharing that.
1: And even if if you don't, um, you still are able to uh, check out our uh, quarterly and annual reports. Or you can also send you ad hoc reports as requested on um, some of the investments that we've made uh, over the course of the quarter or the year uh, to give you an idea of um, what types of projects your money is going to help finance.
0: Thank you. That's super. Now, David, let me ask you this. Now, I used to work for a retail bank uh, back in the early 90s, and I remember the Community sure, Reinvestment Act, and there was a lot of paper, and there's a lot going on. I didn't really think too much about it at the time because I was a college student working as a bank teller. But maybe you could share with us exactly what is the Community Reinvestment Act. I mean, there's been a revision over the past 30 years. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, there, there is. A little bit of a history lesson, but um, in, in the '70s um, and and before, uh, there was an active practice of redlining. Um, interestingly, that's been in the the news a lot this year, as there's been more focus on structural and systemic racism. But in the '70s, um, the banks and other financial institutions would literally draw a red line around particular geographies. They tended to be inner cities. They tended to be uh, very high minority populations, and uh, they wouldn't uh, write insurance or or do mortgage lending or car loans or anything like that. Obviously, became a completely uh, self-fulfilling uh, act because once you couldn't get insurance or couldn't get a loan in poor and underserved communities, um, they not only did they remain poor and underserved, they got more poor and they got more uh, <laughs> okay. underserved, and so. Uh, in the in late 70s, uh, the Community Reinvestment Act was passed. It required banks to make loans in the communities uh, in which they were uh, making deposits, uh, taking deposits. I'm oversimplifying mm. here. Um, and so uh, when the act was revised in the 90s, uh, a test was, was added where there was something called the investment test, where banks, in addition to their lending, uh, they were evaluated for what balance sheet. Uh, assets they had that were community-based, community-sourced and supportive of the community. And that was the birth of the uh, what's called the CRA mutual fund industry, a small industry, but uh, one that uh, uh, CCM is is a leader in. And so um, our fund that we've been talking about, um, the full name is the CRA Qualified Fund because when we started 20 years ago, our clients were almost exclusively regulated financial institutions who were investing uh, to make a good rate of return, but also for the regulatory credit that they got um, because of the CRA qualification uh, of the investments that we were making. When we broadened and diversified our client universe to include individuals and nonprofits and faith-based investors and healthcare entities and so on, we, we were often asked, well, the CRA applies only to banks. I'm not a bank. I'm a person. I'm an IRA. I'm a 401k. I'm a foundation. Um, and what we say is it's, it's having that definition of CRA qualified that means having a CRA qualified act fund, uh, a, a, an appropriate vehicle to consider for non-regulated investment. Got it. So your firm
0: launches in 1999, um, provides an opportunity to basically a lot of banks at first to help them comply with the law, uh, which was pretty smart on your founder's behalf uh, to fill a need. That's what entrepreneurs should do, right? Identify a need and fill it. So that was smart. Literally called it the uh, Core Qualified Investment Fund, CRA, Core Qualified Investment Fund. Here you go on a platter And uh, it got pretty popular and you're working with religious organizations, uh, high net worth folks as well, uh, institutions, um, nonprofits and giving them all a crack at basically doing well while doing good, which is uh, which is just terrific. This will be a toss up here. But, you know, now we're in 2020. There's obviously a lot of need. That's why we're hearing more about this history, this social history of our country. Um, how has the COVID-19 outbreak, the uh, social unrest, uh, uh, you know, impacted by George Floyd in June and the rest of it, how has all of that affected your fund and really just affected the ability to support these communities that have long been ignored?
2: Uh, why don't I go first? And, so, Michelle, feel free to add anything. I'm sure I'll forget stuff. So, um, first of all, uh, how has it affected the fund from <laughs> From an investment point of view, <coughs> we do have a lot of investments in neighborhoods that have experienced civil unrest. Um, you know, We've been monitoring what's been happening in Philadelphia over the last two or three days. Um, the investments we make do have credit enhancement. So we have, uh, in effect, uh, credit insurance provided by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae um, for uh, for, for many of the investments that we have that are in communities, um, more broadly, uh, the, the the focus on uh, the inequities in our system, uh, the focus on um, uh, the impact that coronavirus COVID nineteen is having, particularly on the most underserved, particularly on minority uh, communities, people who were uh, at great risk for uh, negative health care outcomes before the virus and are experiencing it, um, you know, even more intensely now um, than the rest of the population. Although well, the rest of the population, I'm sad to say, seems to be catching up pretty quickly lately. So we, we've, we uh, in uh, earlier in this year, uh, did an initiative within the fund using um, money that we already had to try to make sure that we were investing when we could in... Uh, opportunities that related to healthcare delivery, service delivery. We'd love to be involved in some contact tracing investments if we could figure out what they would be. Um, we were able to do some uh, loans to healthcare service providers to help them finance additional PPE equipment and things of that sort. So um, we're trying to do our part. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done.
0: Yeah, a lot of work indeed. Anything to add to that, Michelle?
1: No, I think David covered it pretty well.
0: No, that's that's terrific. Yeah, there there is something there that you mentioned, David, that may have also gotten lost in translation. That idea that the investments that CCM is making into these communities um, as a you know conduit for their investors. Uh, some of these communities, as you mentioned, Philadelphia, maybe other parts of the country as well, uh, have been torn down because of the civil unrest. Some of these, maybe these businesses and the like. And thankfully, the way your investments have worked, you've had some requirement for insurances. And so some of these businesses, some of these entities can be built back up because of the way you've structured your team and the way you've structured your investments.
2: So that, that's absolutely right. and And one of the most important things uh, when you consider what disinvestment has done to the country and has done to so many communities uh, around the country, um, there are a lot of solutions and strategies that need to be brought to bear to counteract disinvestment. But one of the ones that we believe in very strongly is investment. And so you know, one of our little catchphrases is that uh, investment is one of the antidotes to disinvestment. So. Um, private capital markets can blow hot and cold. Um, they tend to, you know, ch- chase the the new new thing, and, and that's how it's all been. It's probably how it always will be. But we work for a client base that's very interested in being a more or less stable and permanent source of capital in support of the community. That's and One true. way that we um, express that support, and one way that we deliver uh, client capital that support is through Community Development Financial institutions, which I know you've talked about in other ones of your, uh, in, in other Zoominars. Yes. But, you know, the CDFIs um, getting a lot of attention now, deservedly so. Um, a lot of times they are, in different communities around the country, the best uh, local, on the ground, in the community uh, source for delivering capital to those who need it the most. I mean, yeah very much on behalf of our clients to make investments directly and indirectly in support of CBFox. that's
0: terrific investments is the antidote to disinvestment terrific we'll have to we'll have to put that out on social Not a
2: trademark media mark or a service mark so everybody can use
0: it it's my new motto now. It's, it's not a trademark. Uh, Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about something else that you may consider trademarking, which is place-based impact investing. I hadn't heard that before.
1: Yeah, sure. So I don't think we can trademark that one. Ah. Uh, I think it's out there. Um, confluence philanthropy has a definition, um, but but really it's the name implies, place-based. It's geographic specific um, or investing capital in your local communities um, with the intention to yield both a financial return and or environmental, positive environmental and or social impacts. So you're getting um, both return and impact. So it's different than uh, what philanthropy would be. Um, and it's specifically to address the needs of particularly low and moderate income communities. A lot of times these are, uh, marginalized communities, communities of color and so forth. And it's putting capital to work, uh, for local businesses, financial institutions, which, uh, some of which are like what David mentioned before, community development, financial institutions, which provide credit and capital to, um, to underserved communities um, and low-moderate income individuals. Uh, It's also nonprofits, foundations that invest um, in these efforts as well. Um, And it's really a collaborative effort to um, help create better uh, community outcomes, improve neighborhoods, um, improve uh, access to affordable housing, job creation, education, and so forth.
0: So if I understand you correctly, let's say, I have a client, John and Jane Smith. They have saved over the course of their lifetimes. You know, they've got a nice seven-figure retirement, you know, we'll call it dowry uh, retirement account. And they're not in a position to be philanthropists per se because they expect to live a good long life. But you could redirect some of this money that's already invested into investments, place-based investments, impact investments, that are essentially saving the community and gives them an opportunity to kind of do both, right? Both support the community and take care of their retirement at the same time.
1: Absolutely. That's a great way to explain it. And uh, the reporting that comes along with, uh, well, we provide reporting, but uh, as more and more environmental social governance or ESG managers come about or strategies come about, we're seeing that they're starting to increase their reporting as well, which is good because we want to share uh, what's underneath the hood and give investors transparency as to what, where their money's going and, and the impact it's having. So the reports that we provide, for example, are almost like they're, they're grant-like reporting. Hmm. So it does feel like it has that doing good philanthropy, but you're you're getting a consistent return in a very, very conservative strategy.
0: Sounds like win-win-win to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, David, tell us a little bit about uh, a nuance. We only have a a few minutes left, but tell us about proxy voting in general, because that's another topic that I think is very Uh, misunderstood or not even known. I get a proxy thing in the mail from whatever. In fact, I don't even think I own any stock in this thing I'm getting in the mail. I've been getting these proxy vote uh, pieces of paper. So I've got to figure out what that is. But a lot of people get these and they don't really know what to do with them. In the space of community impact investing, how can these be useful? Well, this
2: week in particular, it's it's very important that we emphasize how important it is to vote. Uh, But what we've been talking about Uh, so far on this uh, session has been our work in fixed income. Uh, We do have, at Community Capital Management, uh, another product that doesn't invest in public equities. And because we're an impact investor, ESG investor, um, we take very seriously the proxy voting for those companies where we are a shareholder. And so, um, you know, little basic finance. I mean, if you own stock, you own the company and the management of the company, you elect the board and the the board uh, hires and fires management. And so um, we take very seriously uh, voting our proxies uh, in a way that is mission aligned with the same kind of work that we've been talking about here on this uh, Zoominar. So our guidelines uh, include supporting uh, transparency, uh, disclosure around climate initiatives, Um, We withhold our proxy votes from any uh, board of a public company that has fewer than two women uh, directors. Hard to believe in 2020 that there are still boards with no women on them. In some cases, boards just with one woman. We think we think two is good, more is better. Um, And so those are guidelines that we um, came out with when we began uh, working in public equities and we revised them regularly. Uh, in dialogue with our clients.
0: Yeah, I believe in your most recent annual report, you talked about uh, supporting, um, you're one of the first two, corporate gender equity and transparency. And and of course also the Green New Deal, your company is behind. And so really areas of a, a, a really strong support from the community capital management folks, need capital investing folks. Um, and to that end, as we round out our discussion here, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about the Minority Cares Initiative?
1: Certainly. So uh, in response to uh, the events that occurred or occurring earlier this year, um, and we consider ourselves, uh, we have our 18 impact themes, but we consider ourselves ever evolving and dynamic uh, and want to be able to address the concerns um, people have um, with communities throughout the U.S. Uh, we launched the Minority Cares Initiative. It's uh, Cares is for, I gotta look at this <laughs> community advancement and rich <laughs> empowerment strategy. Awesome. So, really, what it is, we've been doing this already for 20 years. Sounds
0: like it, yeah. Just
1: amplifying it and highlighting the ability we have to direct your capital toward investing in um, communities of color. Uh, in particular. So it's an initiative we have over the next five years, I believe, is to invest $2 billion um, uh, aligned with eight of our impact themes that um, support minority communities. So we have minority community advancement, economic inclusion, um, human empowerment, and so forth. There's eight of them that we've put together. And um, with any amount investment, even the smallest amount, Um, the minimum amount, you could tell uh, your advisor, tell us that you want your investment to specifically support uh, the Minority Community Advancement Initiative. And um, all of your investment will go toward that, uh, those eight themes for that initiative. And then we'll provide quarterly reporting, which uh, this is our first full quarter that we just completed. And the report should be out soon where we highlight a few example investments and then show you geographically uh, where those are located. And so far, we launched, I think we launched this on June 19th. Yes, Juneteenth. Uh, so far since then, uh, as of the quarter end, we've invested already $246 million in this initiative. Uh, so really, it's driving uh, capital into these communities, into the hands of um Uh, minority businesses and and individuals and it's signaling to our counterparts as well that there's a demand in the marketplace for these types of loans and investments that we want to make. So uh, we feel that it's perpetuating or furthering income or sorry um, impact to come in uh, this area. So it's a a great way to have some uh, say if you wanna support this type of initiative, uh, have some say over where your money is going um, through the Minority Cares uh, Impact um, Initiative. So that is over the next five years. um, But again, we have expertise in in doing this since uh, our inception back in 1989.
0: Yeah, doing this for 20 years, um, you've had 18 themes uh, and you pulled eight of these themes and said, hey, let's let's actually highlight this. Let's put uh, a spotlight on specifically the areas that minorities, people of color, however you want to call it, um, that these folks need and that are having a, um, a desire for and that people want to support. And you pick Juneteenth, which is a special day to pick, um, so that means you're, you're really thinking about this as you have over all of these years. Um, I'll thank you on behalf of a lot of folks who appreciate this leadership, this pioneering that, uh, that David <laughs> likes to do. Um, now the whole firm is getting involved in this pioneering once again. Well, I'm in Virginia. Uh, I know that you are in Florida, Michelle, and David mm-hmm. is in Boston. But,, uh, thanks to some of the work that your organization has done uh, in Lorton, Virginia, the community capital management folks have a relationship with the Commonwealth. So maybe David, you could tell us a little bit about the what is it? the uh, Workhouse Art Center
2: about twenty minutes from where I live. yep, it's in it's in Lorton virginia, and and uh, we we love all of our investments and and uh, you know we don't we don't ever like to say we have favorites, but uh, one of our favorites uh, <laughs> is the Lorton Workhouse Arts Center. Um, and it, It's an example of uh, a repurposing of a facility. Uh, it was a prison um, uh, outside of DC. Um, and in fact, uh, a little fun fact is when one of the very first uh, suffragette uh, protests happened uh, in Washington a little over a hundred years ago uh, and a lot of the women were invested, uh, sorry, arrested <laughs> Uh, they were arrested and taken to uh, Lorton. It was an active prison. Uh, It was also used uh, as a prison farm, so a little American slave labor, if you will, because a lot of the fresh uh, fruits and vegetables that were brought into D.C. uh, in the 20th century uh, came from there. Eventually, it was abandoned, as so often happened with some of the uh, geography and, and built environment. From, uh, from that era uh, went through a long period of being inactive. There was a redevelopment effort. We were able to buy the bonds in the redevelopment. It's now uh, a combination uh, community center, art center, uh, there's gallery space, uh, there's outdoor recreation space. Um, we've mentioned that we have 18 themes. What we like is when we can have a transaction that can touch multiple themes. So this one is neighborhood revitalization, Arts and culture, uh, if there's some lead components, so it has environmental sustainability. Um, and actually, there's a couple of other and healthy communities, uh, another theme that it touches upon. So, we can't say this about all of our investments, but when we can have an investment uh, where our clients can help convert a prison to a community facility with an arts focus, uh, we think that's a great uh, summary and synopsis of the work that. Uh, place-based impact investing can represent.
0: So many times we hear only the negative side of capital management, essentially, of financiers, of financial advisory type folks in our industry. And here's an opportunity where you had a prison, um, you had a revitalization effort, there were bonds created, probably voted on, uh, by folks of Commonwealth of Virginia, voters here. And we said, yes, please borrow this money And here came your firm to say, yeah, we'll manage that. We'll buy that. And we'll repurpose that to investors who are willing to support this bond initiative and then create this incredible uh, opportunity for the city of Lorton. Pretty neat. neat. Um, Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, both of you, David and Michelle, and, and just helping us understand how the financial industry does do some good work, uh, sometimes intentionally, uh, as you are with your firm. Uh, With that, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stop the share, so everyone get ready for bigger faces. Here we are, uh, back to big faces. Mm -hmm. Really happy that both uh, you, David, and you, Michelle, were able to spend some time with us and break down the part of the financial industry that, that you inhabit that does a lot of good in the communities, some of the good that we need so much when we look at the year we've had and the year we're likely to have over the next uh, next couple years as we focus more on the community needs. Before we go, I'll start with you, Michelle. Is there one takeaway that you'd like to give our listeners and our future listeners when they think about community impact investing?
1: Just that it, it is possible to Do good and do well. I mean, I know it it sounds simple, but um, there's a big misconception that you're giving up something um, or sacrificing returns by investing in uh, good or investing in things that do good or align with your values. But there's so much information out there now that shows otherwise. So I would say if there's, anything in particular that uh, you care about or is near and dear to your heart, ask your advisor if there's a way to invest your money um, that's aligned with that. Or if you just want to know that your money is going toward positive economic and environmental benefits, there's ways to do that too. It doesn't have to be very specific. Um, So it's pretty cool too to know um, that your money is going toward working good. And it's, uh, it's nice to be able to have that influence and say over how your investment portfolio gets directed from an impact perspective as well. So I would say, um, yeah, I would say do good and do well possible. And there's actually a study that came out recently, Morgan Stanley posted uh, a paper on sustainable investing and they looked at the strategies Uh, equity strategies or equity funds and both fixed, both equity funds and fixed income funds, bond funds, um, through the course of the year. So during this turbulent time, they found from January to June, both equity and fixed income funds um, did better or outperformed their traditional peers or counterparts. So there's proof right there that during the most trying times when our economy Uh, was in shambles and the markets were shocked uh, and we have social unrest and we have uh, a global pandemic that you can both survive these things, survive this in the financial markets and actually do something with your investments, your portfolio to have a positive impact on the things that are happening around us.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. We'll have to check out that Morgan Stanley Sunny uh, study. And on, on behalf of your firm and mine, we'll say past performance is no predictor of future results. But take a look at that study. Uh, and then David, how about a a takeaway from you, our our pioneer uh, from this? I,
2: I think uh, Michelle said it great. You know, there's there's an old saying: be the change you believe in. And uh, now more than ever, we have to think about our consumption. What do we buy? What do we buy? Do we need that? What do we not buy? Do we need that? buying you know we think about who uh, we do business with what our brand loyalties and affinities are um, we certainly think about volunteer where do we dedicate our time our resources philanthropy and part of it part of being the change you believe in is also looking at your investment dollars and seeing how they are invested and seeing if they're invested in a way that's values aligned, values aligned with what you really do
0: Be the change you believe in. Thank you so much. Michelle De La Cruz, CSRIC. David Sand, pioneer extraordinaire, 35 years and running. Thank you both for sharing some time and knowledge with us as we learn more about how to invest in the community in a way that we're we're already investing. So as we learn to do this more intentionally, uh, this has been the Jason Howell Company Speaker Series. We look up to your firm and hope to do more good work with our clients. And just thank you once again for being here.
2: Thank you, Thank Jason. Thank you for having us,